Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 130 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week with you? I'm doing well. Um, I feel like I should just start, whenever you ask me, I should always just start with our records just to get that out of the way. Yeah. I feel like I like add it in the middle. But yeah. um, good week this week for both of us. Positive. Evan went 6-5, and five, and I went uh a surprising eight and three wow Uh, tremendous couple of those games that i took a chance on went um burnley beating wolves was a big one as well as uh the leicester villa draw those were two big ones for me Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean other than premier league there was a lot of good games um both our teams won so that's always nice when both of our teams win we're both happy satisfied um I said last week uh, I was going to a wedding. I was just telling Evan before we started recording, it, it went well. Um, a lot of uh, shenanigans going on, people having incidents, but um, that always happens when people are having a good time, things happen. But um, yeah, uh, overall, pretty good week. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Um, I didn't really do much this week, haven't played golf or anything like that, so mm-hmm. I don't even have anything to talk about. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into these games. Um we are starting at Burnley Southampton. That game happened on Thursday, going all the way through to yesterday's match, uh, Crystal Palace versus Leeds. So we'll go ahead and start off with Burnley Southampton. Burnley won 2 0, getting a much needed three points. They are, of course, down in the depths of the Premier League table. Uh, they jump to safety technically with the, the three points that they got over Southampton. Everton now in 18th, two points off of safety. Um, we'll get to them later on, but a really good result for Burnley. Wasn't so sure that they'd come out and get it. Uh, however, they did come out and surprise me, uh, goals from Connor Roberts and Nathan Collins, both first or both first half goals. Uh, Roberts opened the scoring in the 12th and then Nathan Collins added one in the 44th. And to be honest with you, I just think Burnley were much sharper, uh, in an attacking sense. We saw Southampton get a good result against Arsenal, uh, two weeks ago, and I thought maybe that could be a signal of things to come for them, but a uh, a defeat against the Burnley side, who I just don't think have as much structure as them, is not a great sign. Uh, 16 shots for Burnley, 11 for Southampton, 6 shots on target for Burnley, 3 for Southampton, and then possession was uh, tilted in Southampton's favor, but they weren't able to get anything from it, so truly what matters there. Uh, yeah, this was, this was an awesome result from, from Burnley considering, you know, they're going through some turmoil, have lost their manager of 10 years at this point. Uh, but goals from a center back and a fullback. So getting goals from spots you don't necessarily always see Burnley get them from, um, this is great, much needed. And, uh, I think that they'll be really pleased with that result. Surprise, because they lose their manager. You mentioned he he was the longest serving manager in the league um, up until his last day. Um, but it like nothing has changed. It's not like there's been a formation change or um, a player's come back from injury. I mean, they lost Westwood to an unfortunate injury there. So I mean, they've lost more than what they've gained, and they're doing well. I mean, if we include the the next match we'll get to, they've earned seven out of nine points. Um, which at this level in the table is incredible. You just fly up the board um, going on a run like that. And um, yeah, it puts Everton under massive pressure. 
Um, it drags leads into this picture here of a relegation scrap. They're not out of it yet. There's plenty of time to go. But yeah, I mean, Southampton have been very, very disappointing over the last seven weeks. Um, yeah, they got that skimpy little Arsenal win, but it was just like a blip kind of because they've been really bad and they have the fourth worst goals against record right now. They've given up 56 goals. Um, they sit 13th, which isn't, it doesn't match up to how they've been playing it as of lately. I mean, if we go to form their last six games, they, they rank right there 17th, only earning five points out of six games. So it's not looking good for Southampton. I don't know what's going on. Ward Prowse did score another. Uh, I mean, that's in the next game. I'm jump, I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. um, yeah, I was really surprised just how um how Burnley are earning these points when nothing really has changed other than the manager. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. I mean, new new manager bump, but uh, I just feel like Burnley's was was so strange because Dice didn't really deserve to be let go, and you know it it was just it was strange. A lot of the time, you you feel a sack coming, or you at least can understand why a club would do it. I, I don't understand still why why Burnley uh have done what they've done but i guess you take those three points especially when you're kind of backs against the wall um it's just it's definitely weird and they've um, always been a team in this area of the ta- table an exception for one year where they over exceeded everybody's yeah. expectations they finished seventh but um yeah i mean this is the area they always finish in so it yeah it's surprising they let go of of dice i don't know what the the um the board and the chairman saw that maybe we didn't going on behind the scenes i'm not sure but um it's turning out to work in their benefit with these results yeah for sure okay let's move on to a game that was a little less surprising at least from my point of view arsenal three manchester united one uh an absolutely rocking emirates stadium propelled arsenal to a tremendous victory over United, who are struggling uh, so much right now. What I will say is this game probably could have been 3-3, if we're being honest. The defending from both sides, uh, we need to address this up front, was absolutely abysmal. Uh, I know I say all the time, Nuno uh, is a defensive liability. He is. I mean, it's proven. So it's just time in and or, um, time and again. It's It's just unbelievable how out of position he is and when he is in position, how reckless he is with his body. Uh, and I'll get to the penalty, but this was a, this was a defensive mess from both sides. Uh, Nuno did, however, get himself on the score sheet. This is his first goal for the club in Premier League competition, open the scoring in the third. Uh, Saka got himself a penalty in the 32nd after Eddie Nketiah's goal was ruled off. Um, he was technically offside, but there was a uh, clear and obvious foul uh, in the build-up right uh, right behind. Saka was fouled, and VAR got that one for the penalty. Uh, Ronaldo got one back on a great lofted cross-in from Matic uh, in the 34th minute. He seems to be the only player that had any sort of desire to win in this game for United. Uh, and then Xhaka had an absolute fucking rocket. Uh, from about 30 out in the 70th minute to pretty much tie things up for Arsenal. Um, 
I have to say that I think Sancho played well in this game. It was really the Sancho and Ronaldo show, in my opinion. Uh, pretty much everywhere else on the pitch was brutal. Dello had a chance that went off the crossbar pretty early on. That was a little bit of an unlucky, uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, roll for him, I'll, I'll say. Uh, that was just, I thought that that ball was going in and it didn't. For Arsenal, I think Ramsdale had actually a little bit of a shocking game. He was not on his best there, but the rest of the pitch really sort of showed up and and tried their hardest. Gabriel and Ben White making some mistakes as well, but the middle of the park all the way up to to Enketia up top, I thought looked tremendous. So uh, we should say that Bruno, I don't know why he's getting the penalties, but he missed a penalty here. Um, after he missed, Ramsdale like jumped off his line and screamed at him in the face, which I I thought was uh, in bad taste, but it did make me laugh in the moment. Uh, in terms of stats here, we had Arsenal and United tied on 14 shots apiece, seven shots on target for Arsenal, five for United. And then Arsenal tipped the scales in possession with 55%. And they did a much better job of passing the ball around. They had 507 passes, whereas United just had 412. Currently, Arsenal sit in fourth place on 60 points. Two points clear of Tottenham. No games in hand. United are in sixth on 54. Six points behind fourth place now. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much covers the game. I agree with you with Nuno. It's um, He's very young. He's only 21, I think, around that at 20 to 22 in that area. But um, you just bring him in. His, his first year in the league, he's still learning. And I think playing behind Tyranny is good experience for him. And he's going to have to finish the year out strong, playing a lot more minutes than he probably would, would have been given if Tyranny was fully healthy. Um, we know Tommy Asu is back now. Um, he's off the IR list. He should be back in training. So um, he'll finish out the year with what minutes Mikel trusts with him. Um, and it's going to matter because every game matters at this point, um, especially in this result here um, with how close these two teams are and what they're competing for. And we talked about the breaking down the game last week and predicting it. And um, I think we were both very comfortable in picking Arsenal here yep. after we talked. We talked about United and the state they're in. Um, with the cultural identity crisis, there's nothing there. Um, we saw social media with uh, Arsenal fans interacting with Matic. Uh, Matic taunting them with three fingers, representing the three Premier League titles. I'm assuming he's won um, with Chelsea, or I don't know. Is that right? Because no, I don't. I think Matic has won twice. What? Am I right? The Prem. The, yeah, or just trophies overall. I don't know what he was doing. Do you, did you see that video where he was holding up three fingers? Like, he was looking at Arsenal fans holding up three fingers to him? No, I didn't and, see that video. Yeah, I don't know. They were like they were going back and forth. Just a couple of fans behind the, oh. the main new bench. And Matic was doing, like, a Mourinho impersonation. Just, like, you know, just flexing, like, his yeah. t- trophies and stuff. But um that type of energy. So, I mean, it was like a high scale match. I mean, there is a, this is a big rivalry, especially we talk about the early two thousands. These were the top two teams to where how Liverpool and Man City are now. Yep. So yeah, overall, I think Arsenal deserved it. You mentioned Sancho and Ronaldo. They were kind of leading the line. Um, the turning point was in my opinion, that penalty miss from Bruno off the post. Um, if he scores that, I believe it's two, two, uh, completely changes the game and how it's played and managed. Um, 
and then uh, Arsenal go on and make it 3-1 and pretty much seal the deal. But, yeah, I mean, not surprised with the result. Puts Arsenal in a strong position. Um, would have been in an even better position if Chelsea would have dropped points. But um, luckily they didn't. So, But still, um, they still carry on and uh, are head-to-head with Tottenham. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we had Leicester City and Aston Villa playing to a nil-nil draw. Villa... I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to to make anything of them these days. They are currently in fifteenth place, uh, Leicester in tenth. Nearly, or just five points separate those two teams, which is kind of or no? Is that five? Thirty four and forty two. That's yeah. Thirty seven yeah. and forty two. Yeah, it's five. Yeah, five. You're right. Oh my god, <laughs> my brain is just not here today. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to to kind of figure out what the deal with Villa is. I mean, they had 11 shots, three on target, but only held 35% of the possession. Leicester with five and two, and obviously uh, the other 65% of possession. Villa just couldn't complete a pass. Uh, pretty much, like, Leicester doubled their pass amount, 289 and 520. So that's pretty insane. I just don't think Villa have it. They, they don't have... Um, a team that's performing at their their max potential. When you look at the side, for me at least, I think this is a, a serious mid table team. Like, should be should be far and away better than you know the Brightons and the Brentfords of the world. And right now they're not. They're in fifteenth. You know, three points ahead of Leeds, who had a terrible terrible run of form earlier on this year. I just don't think they're performing to their maximum potential. I think. Um, it's it's a little bit disappointing, and it's tough to pick them every week because I just don't know what what's going to happen. Uh, Leicester, on the other hand, I think underperformed in this game as well. I think they put out a relatively decent side, and they should have been able to get all three in this one. And to be honest, when when things came down to it, they just sort of fell flat. Yeah, I think Villa's problem has been in front of the goal, and obviously you mentioned uh, the build up too. If they can't get the service, that also hinders them, but. Two goals in their last five games. I mean, very poor, and they've only earned one point in those five matches. I mean, I don't know what's going wrong with Stevie G. Um, 32 games, they have 17 defeats. Very bad. It pretty much um, matches up to where they are in the table. Um, Still, I mean, preseason, we thought this team... After selling Jack Grealish, would have a lot of ground to make up because he's a he was a key man in that team. Um, they bring in a lot of players with a lot of potential that we believed, and ninety um, percent of those guys didn't work out. And then obviously Dean Smith leaves. They have to bring in a new manager. Stevie G comes. He brings in his guys. Coutinho brings a spark initially, but um, it's kind of faded out now. Teams are kind of figuring out how to match up this team well. Um, and isolate them into power positions. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just there's just something lacking there. There's no spark really. They're just missing it. And yeah, I agree with you. Leicester should have earned some more, or should have gotten on the board here at least. I mean, trying to challenge for uh, European positions, and now it's pretty much they have to win the 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 Conference League to earn a Europa League place now for next year. Kind of how when we get to West Ham, they're in a similar position in the Europa League. But um, it seems like they have to put all their eggs into that European basket right now and try to win that tournament rather than 
um, earn it through the league. But um, yeah, very stale match here, I guess. For sure. Um, okay, I am going to give the stats on this next game and then hand uh, hand the play by play over to you. Uh, Manchester City winning five one against Watford. 21 shots for the boys in blue, 5 shots for Watford, 8 shots on target for City, just 2 for Watford, and then the possession, extremely lopsided in this one, 74% of the possession was held by Manchester City, lined up as they always do, except Gabriel Jesus was in there for his second game in a row, 4 goals for him, 1 in the 4th, 1 in the 23rd, goal in the middle by Hassan Kamara, Really well-worked goal by Watford, by the way, uh, in the 28th. Rodri scored in the 34th with an absolute screamer. Stunning goal. Another penalty by Gabriel Jesus in the 49th. And then one to cap it all off for the scoring in this game in the 53rd from Jesus as well. He also had an assist in this game. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I'll hand uh, I'll hand the rest off to you to, to kind of explain what you thought of this one. I got to go downstairs and take something out of the freezer. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, this game went how I would believe 99.9% of people thought it was going to go. Um, maybe not Jesus grabbing four goals and the assist um, contributing to every goal in the in this game for Man City. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate they couldn't get the clean sheet. Evan mentioned the Watford goal. I mean, it was a nice, well-worked, connected pass down the line. Um, between cleverly Dennis and Kamara. Kamara made a great run through the middle, um, continuing his run. He was rewarded for it and uh, just blasted it past Ederson in the bottom right corner. But um, yeah, it was Jesus's day. Um, there are reports right now that Erling Holland has agreed personal terms and everything with Man City. It's just now between the clubs. So it's all but all but uh, confirmed, really, that Holland's going to be coming to the Prem next year um, for his release clause, I think, of 75 million euros, which is a bargain for him. Um, obviously, there were rumors last summer with him going to United or something for an astronomical fee um, before the Ronaldo thing hit. But, yeah, I mean, now there's talks we're in, with Jesus having a phenomenal game here. Um, with Holland coming in, somebody has to leave. And uh, Jesus is seeming like to be the guy uh, in the in the talks right now. Um, his contract's due next summer, I believe. So uh, there's talks of maybe him leaving, and Arsenal have been in contact with him. Obviously, we know Arsenal have a lot of strikers leaving their cl- club in the summer with Enketi and Lacazette. Um, so there's a big void there. So Jesus may be that guy. That'd be a great fit for Arsenal, similar to how... Man City run, Arsenal are pretty similar in the build-up, the small one-twos and heavy possession style. So I think that'd be a great fit for him. He would start almost every single game that he can. Um, It wouldn't be like Man City where they just have so many options. But um, yeah, it'd be a great fit. And uh, yeah, this game in particular, it just puts Watford in an even deeper hole that uh, is all but um, seemingly impossible to get out of. I've returned. Perfect. I just finished. Beautiful. Look at the timing on that. But uh, I was just saying, with Holland going to Man City potentially now, there's talks of somebody somebody having to leave. Yeah. And uh, Jesus is potentially that guy, and uh, Arsenal have been in heavy links with him. So 
I was just saying that. What do you think of a, how would he fit into that system? I mean, if he plays and produces at the clip that he produces at Force City in the limited time that he plays there, I think his potential is, you know, I don't want to say endless, but um, to be given a, a fair a fair run of games at Arsenal, I think he could be he could be a, a seriously good option for us there. He's young. He's only 25. You know, I, I kind of like the idea. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, okay, let's move on. Norwich City nil. Newcastle, three. Man. Um, Joel opened the scoring in the 35th minute. Got another in the 41st. Bruno Guimara scoring in the 49th in this one. Newcastle were all over Norwich from the very start in this one. Five shots for Norwich, 13 for Newcastle. Seven of those shots were on target, and they held 55% of the possession. Only two shots on target for Norwich City in this game. And to be honest, from the very start, it just looked like Newcastle were up to the task, and I'm not surprised by the result whatsoever. Really surprising because I look at the table and how far Newcastle have come. They're up to ninth position now, to where Christmas time they were down there in the relegation zone, and um, we don't even realize it. Like ninth place is good, but. For their goal differential, they have a negative fifteen goal differential. Yeah, but but somehow they're at this point in the league. It's insane to me, really. Um, they've strung four games in a row now, four wins in a row. Um, they they caught a couple losses there, obviously to Chelsea and Tottenham, um, as well as Everton in that mix too, surprisingly. But yeah, I mean they've had great runs of form with Eddie Howe. They found their system. They found their way. Um, They've done well with the players that they brought in January. Um, this game, Jolington did play up front, and he bagged two goals. Very nice for him. Um, and another goal for Bruno Guimarães. I mean, this guy's brought in as like a six, but to play as a six. But he gets forward very often, and he, he's capitalizing on it. It's very nice to see. I think that's four goals now for him for the club. Um, your boy Joe Willock got some minutes here, as well as Sean Longstaff. A little rotation in there for the other guys. In um, John Joe Shelby, and uh, I guess Joelington, if you want to say, but they pushed him higher up the field. But yeah, I mean, they found their team, and um, it's surprising that um, you would think on paper, man, United would play. This would be the similar result, um, but Norwich matched them on level. But um, in this game, they couldn't get anything going from Newcastle. So yeah, I mean, sets sets the sets Norwich's fate in stone for the year, and. Uh, it only helps Newcastle finish higher up the table where I'm sure next year they'll be in a similar position with the amount of money and and uh, guys they'll potentially bring in. Certainly. Uh, okay, let's move on to a snore fest. Brentford nil, Tottenham nil. Uh, Brentford really getting the better of Tottenham here, taking a point where I think Tottenham really were the ones that needed it, uh, especially after Arsenal got all three. 15 shots for Brentford, 9 for Tottenham. Two shots on target for Brentford, whereas Tottenham had zero. And Brentford had 44% of the possession in this one. Um, Thoroughly disappointed here. I think when you line up with Son, Kane, and Kulisevsky, you should be able to uh, poke one through here. I should say that Brentford played a pretty stout five in the back here. Uh, Certainly tough team to break, but... I just think in general, Tottenham underperforming two weeks in a row here is not a good sign, especially uh, considering the fact that 
you know, Champions League football is not out of their grasp. So Arsenal were really sort of down and out. You know, they had three losses uh, on the spin, and Tottenham had a chance to capitalize on that, and they have also spun out and and really sort of fumbled their chance. Um, So uh, I don't know. This was a tough one to watch. It was so boring, and I was expecting Tottenham to come out firing, and they just didn't. This is back-to-back games as well that they've registered no shots on target. This game and the the last game against Brighton, they lost 1-0 in the 90th. So um, something's off. It's weird. And it, with Arsenal as well, I mean, they completely both flipped the script on their form. Arsenal three losses in a row. Tottenham had three wins in a row. Now Arsenal won two in a row. Tottenham a loss and a draw. It's just crazy the... Just they're on the same wavelength and they're just they're on a path to where they're going to meet in a couple weeks. And that's ultimately what I still believe is going to decide who finishes in fourth, which is going to be probably the most heated North London derby we've seen in a long time, um, especially for the stakes that are going to be that are going to be there. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I thought Brentford was the better team here, obviously, and I think they should have won the game. Um, nothing but love from the Tottenham away fans to Ericsson as well. Um, Ericsson with a good gesture um, coming over and um, saying hello and interacting with the Tottenham fans as well as signing one of their shirts, uh, Tottenham shirt. So just a good all-around guy. And who knows, potentially he might make a return to Tottenham. You never know. Yeah. Like crazier things have happened, but um, yeah, stale game, but uh, good play. I would say more from Brentford. Yeah, I think you know Tottenham could actually use a guy like um like Erickson right now. They have such a young midfield, uh, that I think they could they could benefit from having him. You know, maybe come off the bench or just there as a sort of leadership figure. Uh, that could be really beneficial to them. They're they're sorely lacking that sort of player right now. Burnley one Wolves nil. Uh, not not an uh, expected result for me here. Burnley getting all three again. Catapult- boy scored. I know, Vidra, he's nice. He scored in the 62nd. Uh, Burnley did have 14 shots in this game, five of those on target. They only held 35% of the possession, so they were kind of playing on the counter. Uh, they lined up with Vidra and Weghorst up top. No Cornet in this game. Uh, Jay Rodriguez, Dwight McNeil out on the wings. Uh and the rest of the team was um, playing the same as they had the week before. Uh, Wolves still uh, just not really performing to to their max potential. They had a really nice run of form in the middle of the season, but they are sort of back to the way that they were in the beginning. Uh, Fabio Silva started up top, Wang Hee Chan and Raul Jimenez behind him. Genuinely, I think Wolves have enough firepower to contend in these sort of games, and getting a 1-0 defeat... Um, at Turf Moor, you know, Turf Moor is a hard place to play, but I just don't think a 1-0 defeat is good enough. I think that they need to take points from this game. Uh, they're sitting in eighth place because of that run of form that they had, but in their last five, they only have two wins and three losses. So not great for them. Uh, whereas Burnley are stringing together some results, uh, taking three wins, a draw and a loss in their last five and catapulting them above Everton. We're now in the drop zone. Yeah, momentum's definitely in their favor. Um, Everton do still have a game in hand that they can get all over on Burnley, but we'll have to wait and see how they do with it. Um, but yeah, in this game in particular, I mean, 
you mentioned Wolves. They these are games they should have the firepower to get over the line, but that's just been the opposite in my opinion. I mean, they've they're the fourth fourth worst scoring team in the league. They've only scored thirty three goals. Um, their success has come from being a great defensive team. So it's just all those attacking players and their wingbacks as well just aren't able to not only score chances but create these opportunities for them to jump on and it just the opportunities are too far in between for them to get these leads and be in comfortable positions and close these games out before teams like Burnley teams like Watford or Everton get hope and capitalize on it and something crazy could happen so um, they've just been in a lot of weird situations like that Um, they just don't have guys that are in the end, I'm just repeating myself, but just putting the ball in the back of the net, that's what they're paid for. So um, you mentioned they had a great run of form earlier in the year, and that's what's helping them keep into a keeping them in this top half of the table, um, having that luxury of a six-point cushion now between eighth and ninth. Um, but they can't keep this up forever. Eventually, it's going to bite them. So sooner or later, somebody's going to have to step up, whether that's Jimenez. Um, we've ragged on him. Um, Fabio Silva, I've mentioned he's too young and he just doesn't have that experience. And, he, and really, he's just too small. He gets bullied on the ball too much. Um, and Huang Hee Chan as well. I mean, he had a great start when they brought him in initially. Um, we talked about bringing in another um, Asian player, not a lot of them in the league, and he had a great start, but now it's kind of fizzled. Um, I mean, they have Podence and Pedro Neto. Those are great creative guys on the wings. Um, the loan with Trincao from Barcelona hasn't worked out, so um, they're going to have to go to back to the chalk to the drawing board uh, and really have to figure out the recruitment here for the summertime to bring in more guys that can put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, okay, let's jump to another game that has severe implications. Chelsea 1, West Ham 0. And what I will say about this game was it was extremely boring. Um, Chelsea had a lot of chances, but West Ham played 10 men behind the ball for the entire game. And it's frustrating to watch this, especially because Ben Rama was the one that was up top. We don't see that all that often. Um, and I think when I saw Ben Rama was playing striker in this game that I knew that they were going to try and just keep everybody behind the ball. That's what they did. Chelsea still managed to get a lot of really quality chances. 26 shots, five of those on target. They did hold 67% of the possession, and they nearly doubled, or they did double, actually, um, West Ham's passes just because they were on the offensive. They were the ones trying to find holes. Uh, And West Ham, we should say, did a good job of covering all those holes up until the 90th minute when Christian Pulisic scored. Um Jorginho had a penalty as well in the 86th. Craig Dawson got a red card on that challenge. Um, and then Jorginho missed it. Uh, yeah. Not what you love to see from Jorginho. He's, his track record with the penalties hasn't been as good this year. Um, I think he's missed his last two penalties for, for a club at this point. Um, so you don't like to see that, but you do love to see Captain America getting goal in the 90th, taking all three for Matt's club. Um, I just hate to watch. I, I hate to watch when teams just line up behind the ball like that and, and park the bus. It's frustrating. And I know Chelsea did that for some time too, but they've sort of evolved out of that. Uh, and I think when you're in seventh place and Wolves are sort of knocking, they're only three points behind West Ham. You have to be playing for a, a, a win there. And I mean, Chelsea 
are mortal defensively these days. So I just, I, I don't know. West Ham's game plan was strange to me, and uh, I feel like Chelsea deserved all three in this one. I do too. I think we deserved all three, but I think it was just from the start of the game. Um, David Moyes made six changes to his normal lineup in there. You see um, the front three, no Antonio, no Bowen, um, resting Rice. You have Mark Noble in there. Um, and then the back line is all kind of rotated a bit. Um, Craig Dawson being the only center back in that lineup there. Um, Zuma and Diop being out. Ogbonna, obviously ACL tear. So all those guys are gone. Um, and now he gets a red card here. So he'll be out three games. So their next couple games, they have no first team center backs available. So the rest of the year in the league is going to be a struggle for them. Um, but I think David Moyes has accepted that because I mentioned Leicester City earlier playing in the semifinal of the Conference League, trying to win it and get a place in the Europa League. West Ham in the same position, but in the Europa League now, they have a big semifinal match, semifinal matchup tomorrow against PSV, I believe. Or no, Frankfurt, because Frankfurt upset Barcelona. Yes. Um, so, I mean, if they win the Europa League, that's their ticket into the Champions League automatic bid in there. So that's what his goal is, and that's what he was thinking about here as a business decision. Not giving these guys tired legs, meaning Rice, Antonio Bowen. Um, Bowen and Rice did appear um, the last 20 to 30 minutes, but it just wasn't enough, not enough time for them. And to West Ham's credit, um, they played very good defensively. Craig Dawson especially had a great game. Just that one moment where Lukaku slips by and just he just had to take him down because it was a gimme. But yeah, he was fortunate for Jorginho not to score. Um, and then you mentioned, obviously, Pulisic saves the day, thank God, because if we didn't earn all three um, and only earn the one, Arsenal are only three behind us uh, just nipping, and uh, we could potentially slip into that dogfight there for a top four finish. But luckily, we still have that five-point cushion. We have the game in hand, which I believe is against Everett. Or no, it's against United tomorrow. That's the game in hand. But um, should be interesting that matchup but yeah this one happy we got the three and especially happy pole switch was the hero yeah for sure um alrighty let's uh let's move on brighton two, southampton two. after brighton got off to a scorching hot start southampton roared back to share the points at falmer stadium on the south coast danny welbeck opened the scoring in the second minute that's right that guy welbs mohammed salisu uh, with an own goal in the 44th, and then James Ward-Prowse. Just, this guy is incredible. Please free him. He needs to be playing for a better club than Southampton. He scored in the 45th, uh, right before stoppage time, or right before halftime, and then again in the 54th. Now, Southampton got off to a slow start, but they absolutely outplayed Brighton in this one. 18 shots for Southampton, just 8 for Brighton. 5 shots on target for both teams and 52 possession uh, for Southampton so they lined up similarly to how they've been going uh they did opt to go with a two striker setup here with Charlie Adams and Shane Long uh James Ward-Prowse getting two from the middle of the park and then um unorthodox um but Brighton got a goal from their striker for once so that was nice but 
Yeah, I mean, this was an entertaining game. I think um, it was a pretty quiet second half, but the opening, you know, 50 minutes of the game were were tremendous. Uh, I like to see Southampton playing with a little bit of fire. I think that this was a winnable game for them, and they they sort of let it get out of control early. Obviously, a sloppy mistake by Salisu, uh, you know, for the own goal, but um, an entertaining watch nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, Brighton at home have always been poor. I will give credit to Danny Welbeck. It seems like um, whenever he's given the nod, um, he always does perform, not just um, when it comes to scoring, but he puts in good performances overall, and he really challenges the other teams. We've seen this um, against Chelsea this game um, and other big matchups as well. I mean, he's always been kind of a problem there. Um, Upai's had a really off year. In particular, only I mean, he still scored eight goals. That's good for him, but still, he could be scoring a couple more for this club. Um, but yeah, I mean, after the 50th, you mentioned that's when the game kind of died out. Um, Brighton decided, okay, well, we're just going to settle in and take the point. Um, this is more the Southampton we, we're used to, um, creating a lot more chances, having the ball a little bit more. Um, that's what I would have expected in that Burnley game earlier we, we talked about, but... but yeah, I mean, just to keep it short, I mean, we called this, we both picked a draw. This was the easiest draw read we saw, and ultimately that's what we got. And uh, James Ward-Prowse gets another goal from a free kick, so I think he's only four away from equaling, equaling David Beckham's record in the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is incredible to think about, to be honest, because Beckham's one of the greatest free kick takers of all time. Um, all right, let's move on to the Liverpool or Merseyside Derby. Uh, Liverpool getting a 2-0 victory over Everton. I will say that Everton actually started this game better than I thought they would. I think that they um, were playing up to, to Liverpool's level. It was chippy. Sorry if you guys hear my dog barking. I guess somebody's home. Um, but it was chippy. Uh, Anthony Gordon kind of got fouled and, and got booked for a simulation, I think. Uh, I think that was TAA that actually uh, knocked him down. It was a weird game, but eventually things did break down for Everton. Andrew Robertson got a goal in the 62nd, and then Divock Origi, uh, who is just incredible in the late minutes of games. I mean, I, I wish that we got to see him get regular time because I think he's actually a sensational player and he's extremely clutch. Uh, he scored in the 85th. So uh, unfortunate for Everton, but I don't think any of us were expecting them to take any sort of points from this game. I actually think that there's takeaways from this game, and I think Everton did play relatively solid, especially if you consider the fact that Liverpool just beat the fuck out of United 4-0 a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I just think Everton's game plan the first half couldn't have gone any better. Um, slow, um, whenever the ball goes out, take your time. Uh, just slow the game down overall, really. Just just milk it from the start. That was their goal, just to earn a point. Um, and yeah, I, I think Anthony Gordon was a big spark for them. Really driving on. There was that push in the back that um, Lampard was upset about. He said if it was reversed, Mo Salah gets pushed in the back. It's a penalty or a foul, um, being Gordon. It wasn't. Uh, he just doesn't have the status and reputation like Sala does. But um, it's all subjective there. Eventually, he did. you mentioned he did get the simulation call. But yeah, it was a chippy-ass game from the start to finish. 
And uh, once that goal went in for Robbo, things just went how we thought. It, Everton had to open up more. Um, and yeah, I think Origi playing more. I mean, there's so many guys in that team that can play. It's they're they're, they're just like Man City to where there's seven or eight guys that don't normally start that you would say are should start every single game for any other club. They would, but um, it's just about that man management comes. It ultimately comes all the way back to that manager. It's how you manage your guys, squad management, rotation, keeping everybody happy. Um, and it seems like Origi's happy with his position in this club. I mean, um, he comes in, he bangs in the goals, he's earning silverware. Um, he's playing at one of the top clubs in the world. I mean, it's tough to argue if he would leave, like, would he have the same success? He would be open to more to playing time, obviously, but, um, there's more opportunity to be criticized than to make mistakes. Um, so it's, 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 there's two sides to it and I, I can see why he would want to leave. I can also see why he would stay and be happy, but yeah, it's, it's a heartbreaker here for Everton because now, um, going into the game, um, they were 17th and once the game started, they were in the relegation zone. So it's really, we're in that stage now where it's, we're, we're going to test Lampard and these players, like if they have the grit to survive this type of of battle they have because Everton haven't been in this position for decades. Uh, and I'm sure all these players have never been in this position where they're, they're playing for survival. It's not about uh, silverware or Europe or anything like that. It's, it's survival. So I'm going to be interested to see how scrappy these games are going to be to close out. Um, their next game is against Chelsea, though, so it's a tough one to bounce back from there. But um, it is at home, and they do do they do play better at home. So it'll be interesting to see what Lampard's matchup is against his former club. Yeah, I mean, I really just I really don't want to see Everton go down. I know some people do, but I don't know. It's such a the the Merseyside derby is such a huge thing, and Everton is is actually a a really storied club. So I, I don't want to see them go down. I think that would be awful. Um, it's just so hard to come back up, especially a, a club of Everton's size. And we know they're not yeah. gigantic, but it, it it's going to be absolutely devastating. I um, mean, we saw the same something similar when Sunderland had their collapse. I mean, you yeah. lose the the tying derby with Newcastle. I mean, they've yep. been now they're in League One. They've been struggling to get out of League One the past four years, five years. Yep. So yeah, I mean, they they did have that pre match graphic where Everton are spending a lot of money. They, they spent more they than spent Liverpool. Double, they spent double Liverpool. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're. It's just the recruitment's just not there. I mean, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with. Um, Liverpool spending and Klopp bringing in certain guys that fit the mold, and um, we compared it to United with bringing in big big name players for marketing reasons and such, but they just don't fit the the cultural the culture that Man United want. Um, and we've talked about they don't even have a culture, so that's an even bigger problem. But yeah, it would be tough to see them go down. Yeah, I don't want to see that happen at all. Um, we'll move on. Crystal Palace nil leads United nil. Um, chippy didn't game turn out, chippy didn't turn game. out how you thought it was going to be. I did not. Uh, this was a chippy one. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch it. I was busy yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Palace with 17 shots, nine shots for Leeds, seven shots on target for the Eagles, and just two for Leeds United. The position, the possession was split, split, Jesus, 
pretty much right down the middle. 53% for Crystal Palace and 47% for Leeds. So I thought that this could be a high-scoring one. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what I said last time around. I just thought that, you know, there's a lot of speed. There's a lot of attacking prowess between these two teams, and there was not a single goal to be had in this one. So uh, quite strange, but I guess uh, both teams will take a point, you know. Yeah, I, I was able to watch this game yesterday. I got home for it, and I, yeah, I think Palace um, would be more upset about this result. They had more chances. I thought Zaha definitely should have bagged one, um, as well as Mateta too. But ultimately, didn't work out for them. Leeds. I was surprised. I thought they were going to have more of the possession, but Palace had their held their own, and um, with this lineup, they did a good job. Um, no, no, Elizzi. Uh, Michael Lizzie to start. I thought he would have been a big um, game changer in there, like uh, that triple threat with Zaha, Eze, and behind, as well as Gallagher. Um, and you throw Eze out there on the other wing, that would have been crazy, but wasn't meant to be from Vieira's point of view. Um, I mean, Jesse Marsh gets another point. They're still on a positive streak there, five in a row and beaten, but we, we were talking about Burnley and Everton, and now they're they're kind of in that picture to where they lose a result here and there. Now it's it's a squeaky bum time. So um, between these three teams, I think I would say Everton have the toughest remaining schedule, then Leeds, and I think Burnley have the easiest. But um, it never it never goes by the chalk. It never goes um, how you think it's going to go. So anything can happen. Uh, how this game how this year closes but yeah um another nil nil draw here just like tottenham and brentford yep um okay is that everything for us it is yeah we are jumping into the preview here uh manchester united taking on chelsea tomorrow at 2 45 p.m wow that's going to be a sensational game i am going to go with chelsea they are the odds on favorite in this one and it's home uh, for United, so I'm definitely taking Chelsea in this one. Uh, this this match um, for the past few years has just been the just draw after draw after draw. Um, the last three have been draws, but Chelsea hasn't won this result for what is that? At least three to four years. We haven't beaten United yep. in the league. Which is surprising because if you look at the league tables at the end, we always finish above them. But it's just something about this result that it just doesn't never goes our way. Um, the stats are always there, but United still find a way. Yeah. Um, and especially now with all the injuries we have, um, guys coming back with Rudiger and Christensen. Christensen having mistakes in him all the time. Um, I, we see that in Saar, Chaloba, those two being young and not having the most experience. Um, I think defensively, it'll come down to if those guys are all fully fit. Um, Chelsea all day for me. I think the way Timo has been playing as of lately should be good. Uh, um, I think this would be a perfect game for Lukaku to play in his former club. Um at Old Trafford, this would be a phenomenal game for him to score um, because he's been down bad. Obviously, he most likely won't be given a full 90, but if he can play in this, I think he should score. So I'm going to back Chelsea. 
Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, what do we have up next? Okay, Newcastle versus Liverpool. That game kicking off early on Saturday morning, seven thirty a.m. Eastern. I. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing because Newcastle have been in great form. I feel like a, one of the teams, like City or Liverpool, is due for a slip. Liverpool haven't slipped in a really long time. I don't, I don't think Newcastle are going to be the team to cause it though. I, I'm going to take Liverpool straight up. They just they score so many goals, and I think that they're going to exploit this Newcastle back line. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with the safe option. Take Liverpool as well. They're on a 14 game unbeaten run right now in the yeah. league. Um, so. It's tough to go against that, really. Um, but, I mean, Newcastle have found a way to compete in these games. Um, the Chelsea game, uh, the last time they played, was tight. Um, they're competing against all these other big teams as well. Uh, obviously, the Tottenham one didn't go. They got blown out in that one. And I think this one will go in a similar fashion. Just the sheer pace they have. Liverpool on those flanks should be enough to get the job done. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Liverpool for sure. We have Burnley versus Watford up next. That game sucks, but I'm gonna take Burnley. I think that they continue their new manager bounce. I agree. This game sucks on paper, but in league, in the league's perspective, this is a one of the biggest games of the of the slate. Um, because if Watford can somehow win this game, this gives them a sliver of hope to stay up. Whereas if Burnley win. It pretty much seals Watford's fate and gives Burnley that much more confidence to close out this year. So it's really tough. Um, uh, but I think I'm just going to take a draw. Um, Watford at home, I think well, that's why I'll give it a draw. I'm not going to give him a win, but I think a point here. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Southampton versus Crystal Palace up next. I'm going to give the edge to Palace in this one. Southampton came out flat uh, last week, and I think if Palace come out and use all that offensive weaponry they have, that they're going to take another early lead, and I think that that uh, Southampton struggle to get it back this time. So I'm going to go with Palace. Yeah, Southamp- Southampton lose Livermento, uh, unfortunately, towards ACL. He's out until September. Um, brought him in from Chelsea had a great year there at yep. fullback for them on the right. Um, it'll be a tough hole to fill there for them, but this is just one of those games. It's kind of stinky. It's there's nothing really on the line. It's just one of those games to fill out the schedule really. But um, I think, I think this is one of those games where Southampton off the rip are going to get off to a nice little lead and uh, get the job done. So I'm going to go Southampton as well. Right. Yep. All right. Um, Aston Villa versus Norwich City up next. I'm going to take Villa in this one. They are so due for a win, and I think Norwich is such an easy team to get it against that they're going to go ahead and get all three. I would argue this game's worse than the Watford-Burnley game. Oh, it is, certainly. Because of the the way these teams have been playing as of lately. Um, I think this will be a low-scoring one as well, but um, if we're just going based off the league and... um, if we're going on paper off quality and that, we'll just go by chalk. I'll take I'll take Villa there. All right, cool. Uh, Wolves Brighton up next. God, there's a lot of shit games this week. Um, 
That's tough. I'm going to take a draw, I think. I see a nil-nil or a 1-1. One, one. Um, I'm going to have to agree. I mean, it's just another one of those those Brighton or king of the draw. And I think Wolves, both, I think both of these teams are hard to break down. I think they both have a solid style um, and structure. But they're both great defensively. But when it comes to offense, they're two of the worst teams in the league. So I think a point. All right, sounds good. Um, Leeds United versus Manchester City up next. Interesting matchup. Be curious to see how things pan out, but I'm going to take City because they just, they it's a free win every week for the most part. Yeah, Man City last time beat them 7-0. Um, six different scores also. Um, it was an absolute bloodbath. Uh, Man City had 31 shots, 15 on target. I mean, it was just annihilation. Um, I think Leeds will put up more of a fight. They have a lot more confidence in themselves now. Um, five games unbeaten, but in those five games, they've been playing teams around their level, um, which they should be getting the job done earning points. But this is just uh, one of those matches that it's just going to be David versus Goliath, and I think Man City competing with Liverpool till the death of to the last day. It's going to be win after win after win for both. So I'm going to go with City. All right, cool. Um, Tottenham versus Leicester City up next. Another one where I think Tottenham are just desperate for three points. But uh, I don't think that I'm going to I'm gonna pick them. I think I'm going to take a draw on this one. I see this one being 1-1 or, you know, um, maybe even lower than that. I just don't think that, that Tottenham uh, get it done here. I think it'll be close. But I think going two straight games without a shot on target is is just absurd. Um, that should never happen at this level. And um, I think not. I think they're due to have a to have an absolute um, rally here. So I think I'm going to go with Tottenham. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Everton versus Chelsea up next. Sadly, I I think Everton are going to get battered here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Chelsea again. I don't know. For some reason, I want to pick a draw. I don't know why it shouldn't. Well, they beat but... they beat Arsenal this season. Yeah, and um, we drew these guys back in December. It was a 1-1 draw, and um, stats go how you would think. Chelsea had 80% of the ball. Um, tr- almost had 1,000. Oh, no, that's touches. They had, they had quadruple the amount of passes as Everton, but somehow it was 1-1. Yep. But I just don't see it happening like that again. So I think I'm going to go with Chelsea. All right, cool. Uh, we have West Ham versus Arsenal up next. Not going to fade my boys. Going to take Arsenal to win this one. I like this one to be a 2 or a 3 no victory. Yeah, West Ham's going to be tired after that Europa League game tomorrow on Thursday. Um, they're going to have to rest, guys, for the second matchup the following week. Um, the second leg, I mean. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take Arsenal here. All right, cool. Uh, and then the final match of the week, we have <clears throat> Manchester United taking on Brentford. I am going to take United to finally get a win here. Uh, I'm still not with it. I'm going to go with a draw here. All right, cool. That rounds everything out, guys. A uh, little shorter this week. Managed to wrap things up a little bit uh, more succinctly than we have in weeks past. So I want to thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the show and past shows uh, on so- 
Wow. SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, all of our past shows and all of our uh, most recent shows are uploaded there every week. It's been Wednesday, Thursday recently. So make sure you check that out. We appreciate you guys listening so much. Hope you take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next week. See ya.